have studied through the book of 1 Corinthians here this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we are, um, we're just kind of uh, getting uh, on the other side of the Christmas holidays, the New Year's holidays, and uh, where during the gift giving, while the gifts are being handed out and, and you're kind of waiting to see who gets what, you see someone getting gifts and you think to yourself, I don't think that person deserves that gift, right? I mean, the whole, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake, right? And you're like, that, that song is obviously, obviously Santa Claus was not watching because this child, this person is getting a gift that they don't deserve, right? And by the way, I I'm not going to say anything about Santa Claus right here because there are really little ones in the room, and I'll let you deal with that later. Um, if you want to know my personal views on Santa Claus, I'll, I'll tell you after the service. Right? So obviously, Santa Claus was not paying attention because this kid is a spoiled brat. And they're getting not just a really nice gift, but they're getting a lot of really nice gifts. This is not how gift giving is supposed to go. And you're watching the kid who has been a holy terror all year long, right? And then here on Christmas Day, you're at this Christmas celebration and the gifts are being given. And this kid just gets a bunch of stuff that they don't deserve. They didn't earn it. They're probably not even going to use it really well. In fact, with these with these very gifts that they're receiving, they're going to misuse and abuse those gifts, and they're going to create problem with their, problems with their brothers and sisters. They're going to make a mess of the gifts that they're receiving that they don't even deserve. You may already know where I'm going with this illustration. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now remember, Paul is writing a reply letter. The Corinthians have written him concerning a number of different things. And so in chapter 12, uh, verse 1, he's starting on a new topic. That's why he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed, which means I, I do want you to be informed. I want you to know some things about spiritual gifts. You know that when you were pagans... You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God can ever say Jesus is accursed. That's not, that's not what someone who has the Spirit of God in them would ever say. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. It, it necessitates the Spirit of God actually working in someone's life for them, excuse me, to truly confess that Jesus is their master. Verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, of, of grace gifts. The, the, the Greek word there, charismata, is this idea of a grace gift, a gracious gift. There, there are varieties of these grace gifts from God, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Notice in verses 4, 5, and 6, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are named there. 
verse 7. Now, to each, to each, to every single believer, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, right? This, this grace gift. To each is given this gracious gift for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And just just so you know, next week is when I'm going to walk through all of the, I'm going to try to do a comprehensive look at all of the spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And some have questions like, well, which ones are for today and which ones are, you know, do, can I have and what do we practice? And I'm going to try to answer some of those questions next week. There's going to be kind of a part two to spiritual, to spiritual gifts next week. Verse 11, and these are empowered. Did I, did I read verse 10? To another, the working of miracles, prophecy, distinguished between the spirits, another various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The Spirit of God is a good gift giver, and he gives graciously to those who don't deserve those gifts and to those who will abuse those gifts and to those who will sometimes even use those gifts to cause problems in their own family. But God is a gracious, good gift giver. And we're going to see that truth just abundantly clearly here in this passage this morning. God, would you please use your word in these few minutes here this morning to help us see this main beautiful point that God, that you, God, are a good gift giver. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Some of you are really good gift givers. You, you know how to listen and watch and kind of pay attention all year. And you know, oh, this person likes these colors. This person likes these flavors. This person likes this brand of things. Right, and you're watching all. There are certain people in my family, uh, in my extended family, who are just really good gift givers. And then there are others of us who just resort to the card, the uh, the gift card. Right, right. Like, and that's a good gift. Right. That's all. You just know that's always a good gift. Money's always a good gift. Others of us maybe aren't quite as good at giving good gifts as others are. But there's something. There's something that we see in the giver of gifts when someone gives just that perfect gift to someone else. And we see, oh, like that person is actually really good at giving gifts. And it's not so much, their, their character isn't, um, isn't uh, seen to be uh, like, we don't think, oh, there's, there's, they're a bad person because they gave a good gift to a bad person. We actually think, wow, they're, they're kind and gracious and generous, even though they gave a gift to someone who didn't deserve it. Now, brothers and sisters, starting with our salvation, we, we are people who don't deserve the gracious gift of God 
in our lives. I've got five different points here this morning that just help us walk through and see very clearly what I think Paul is trying to communicate clearly to the Corinthian church here. First of all, spiritual gifts magnify Christ. These spiritual gifts that God is giving, and just a quick kind of explanation or description, definition, a spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered ability given to every believer for the purpose of glorifying Christ and serving others. That's what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered ability. It's a spirit-empowered ability. It's not just your natural ability. It's a spiritual, a spirit-empowered ability, and it's given to every believer for the purpose of glorifying Christ and serving others. Remember at the end of, of chapter 10, Paul was saying, listen, uh, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God and the good of others. This is what Paul is living for. And the, spiritual, the Spirit gives gifts to aid and abet our glorifying God and serving others. So a spiritual gift is this grace, graciously given, Spirit-empowered ability given to every believer for the purpose of glorifying Christ and serving others. We see, first of all, that spiritual gifts are given for the purpose of magnifying Christ. Here in verses 1 through 3, Paul says, look, I want you to understand these spiritual gifts. And just so you know, in verse 1 and verse 4, the word gifts are used, but they're different Greek words there. That the spiritual gifts in, in verse 1 is just this broad category, and it is literally translated spiritual gifts. In verse 4 of the word is literally translated grace gifts. But in verse 1, Paul's saying, I want you to understand these spiritual gifts. And I want you to understand, look in verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus himself says this, the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is holding a microscope or a, a telescope, maybe is a better example, and saying, look, I want you to see Jesus. And the work of the spiritual gifts in our lives is first and foremost and primarily to glorify Jesus Christ. Verse 3, no one speaking in the Spirit ever says Jesus is cursed. And the commentators and historians are a little bit uncertain as to know exactly what that means. Apparently, there were pagans who that was part of their pagan ritual was to actually pronounce an, a, a curse on Jesus Christ. And again, these people are being saved out of pagan idolatry. Verse 2, you know when you were pagans, Paul's using pretty strong language there, right? You know, you remember when you were pagans, you were led astray. You were led astray to mute idols, gods who didn't speak, gods who didn't communicate with you. I want you to understand that no spirit that says Jesus is accursed is from God. But at the same time, there's, there's no one who can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And I think what Paul is doing here is he's describing true spiritual conversion. The, the very first gift that God gives to anyone is their conversion. To, to be, we call it being saved or being born again or being converted. That is when you confess, Jesus, I need you. You are the Lord. You are my master. You're in charge. My sins, uh, forgive me of my sins, and I'm professing that Jesus is Lord. You can't do that 
without the Holy Spirit of God giving you the ability to do it. We've covered that several times as we've walked through the book of 1 Corinthians already. The ability to profess that Jesus is Lord only comes through the Spirit. The Spirit is at work in us to magnify Christ. So spiritual gifts magnify Christ. Christ. Number two, we see here in this passage that spiritual gifts come from God. These, these gifts come from God. Look verse four. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given. Here's that word. Each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Verse 8, for to one is given. And over and over we see this idea of these spiritual gifts being given to us from God. Now, I hope I can communicate this well. I think the most striking thought in this passage comes right here. That God would not only rescue and save those who were his enemies, but that he would, on top of that, actually give us gifts. I mean, that, this really does strike me as the parent with love in his heart who sees a rebellious child and says, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm actually going to give you good things. You're my child. I'm going to give you things that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you things that you don't know what to do with yet. I'm going to give you things that unfortunately you may often misuse and abuse, but I'm going to give you really good things. That kind of like when you stop to think about, okay, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Not only was I not a child of God, but I had I had actually earned separation from God. What I deserved was punishment. I deserved a spanking, but I'm getting, I'm getting dessert. Right? Many of us have had the privilege to teach really young little children. Little kids, right? And we say to them, okay, now this Sunday, if you sit and listen to my Bible story or what have you, then I'll give you a piece of candy afterwards, right? And there's always the one little really bad kid. It's usually the preacher's kid, right? Really bad kid. And they're not listening. I can joke because I'm a preacher's kid. I, my, my kids, oh yeah, they're preacher's kids too, um, right? And they're like, they're just disobedient and they're running around and, and, and poking the kid next to them and causing problems and doing all sorts of things and just absolutely being disobedient. And you and I look at that and go, nope, you ain't getting it. And that's just and that's right for us to do that. But it's as though God brings those who, who have actively disobeyed and deserve punishment. It's not as if God has done this. This is what God has done. Those of us who have rebelled against him, he has, he has chosen. I'm going to send my son to rescue you out of your, the sin that you've chosen. I'm going to bring you back into my family. And now that, now that we're in the family of God, it's not like we're the perfect kids. In fact, we're like the disobedient bad kid, even in the family. And God, in his graciousness, he gives us gifts that are literally called grace gifts. It's a good thing they're called grace gifts. Like, they're literally called grace gifts because it demands the grace of God for us to actually receive these gifts. See, even in our world, often, the gifts that we give and receive are based on merit. 
often. You get the gift at your job because you sold X number of product. Yay, you got a gift. But, but it wasn't just freely and graciously giving. You, you, you kind of earned that gift, right? Or we give someone a gift for, for an accomplishment, right? You graduated from high school, and so we're going to give you a gift. Well, it's a merit-based gift. And, and often, even, you know, around the holidays, we're giving and receiving gifts kind of based on, like, okay, you're close to me. You're my friend. I really like you. You've been kind to me this year. I'll give you a little bit nicer gift than others. So much of our gift giving and receiving is just based on, on merit. And here, God is giving to his people gifts that are not based on merit. Praise God. None of us would get a gift if they were based on merit. None of us would get a gift if it was based on how well we performed this year. God is giving graciously these, these gifts to his people. Number three, spiritual gifts, not only do they magnify Christ and not only do they come from God, but spiritual gifts are given to all believers. Now, again, this week I'm just I'm doing a big overview of this section of chapter 12 of spiritual gifts. We're going to talk more about the individual gifts next week. But these spiritual gifts are given to all believers. Look in verse 7. To each. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And even as we continue to read through chapters 12 and 13 and 14, it's just abundantly clear that every single one of God's children, if you're a believer, if you know Christ as your Savior, you get at least one, if not more, spiritual gifts. These, these gifts come from God. You are gifted. If you're a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're gifted. And, and for some of you, you tend to always think of yourself as, as no, no, I'm, I'm not. Other people are gifted, right? She's gifted with the music. She, you know, he's gifted with preaching and teaching, whatever. Like we think of other people as, and other people as having gifts. But God has actually made it clear that his spirit gives gifts to all of his people. We're going to talk about how we use those in just a moment. I actually think it's wise for us to think through how God has gifted us in order for us to know how we can be most effective in the ministries and in the world that God has called us to live in and to serve in. I think it's wise to think through how God has gifted you. And we'll talk more about this in later weeks as well. But just think through, what do I enjoy doing? What do other people encourage me to do in ministry? And where do I see the fruit of people glorifying God and having good done in their life? Like, like what is it that I do that causes you to glorify Christ and do good for others? That's one way for you to begin to determine how God has gifted you. Now, that if God has gifted you in one way, it doesn't mean that you can't serve in another, right? Like, oh, no, my spiritual gift is, what it, you know, this area, and therefore I'm not going to use my gifts in other areas. No, no, that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. God, God has given gifts. He's given gifts to every believer. Number four, spiritual gifts are given for the good 
of others. This is why you've been given a spiritual gift. You've been given a spiritual gift, not to make much of you, not so that you can be spiritually awesome, but actually for the good of others. Again, remember, as Paul is finishing uh, uh, chapter 10 of this same passage, he says, whatever, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then verse 33, I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many. So Paul is saying, listen, I live for the glory of God and the good of others. And listen, Corinthian church, God has given you gifts to help you accomplish those very things. He's given you gifts to help you accomplish glorifying Christ and doing good for others. Spiritual gifts are for the good of others. For, verse 7, for the common good. And again, as we continue in the next three chapters, we'll see over and over again, like this illustration of the body. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But think about your uh, verses 12 and following of chapter 12. Use this illustration of a body. And your body is very much benefited by its other body parts. I've used this illustration before, right? If only one leg this morning decided to go to church, you, the rest of your body would be significantly inhibited as you came to church this morning, right? If your arms decided, we're staying at home, we're not going to cooperate today, the rest of your body really suffers. Your body parts all minister to the entirety of your body. It's for the common good. My mouth benefits tremendously from the coordinated use of my hand and arm, right? Here in another 30, 45 minutes or so, my mouth will benefit tremendously because of the common good that my hand and arm are doing for my mouth. I'm eating lunch, okay? Just in case that wasn't clear. So your, our, the spiritual gifts that God has given us are for the good of others. How do you, how do you see your gifting or someone else's gifting? Well, it leads to the spiritual blessing and maturity of others. How are you using your life, your spiritual gifts, for the good of others? Now, I'm actually asking you to come up with an answer in your head right now. How do you use the spiritual gifts that God has given to you for the glory of Christ and for the good of others. And if you, if you can't answer that question, then we need to work through some things. There, it may be that you're not using the spiritual gift that God has given you for the good of others. Remember I said that a good parent can give gifts to their child and that child can break those gifts or misuse those gifts or actually use those gifts in a negative sort of way. Paul is addressing a church here that is dysfunctional. I mean, you'll remember, this is not where 1 Corinthians starts, right? Paul's already confronted them for their disunity, for their sexual perversion. Like, he's confronted them a lot. And he's saying, listen, God is a God who's giving you spiritual gifts. You need to use those spiritual gifts for the common good. Pastor Piper says this about our awareness of using our spiritual gifts. He says that we are... Or he asks, are you becoming the kind of person who wakes up in the morning, thanks God for your great salvation, and then says, Lord, oh, how I want to strengthen people's faith today. Grant that at the end of this day, somebody will be more confident of your promises 
and more joyful in your grace because I crossed his path. What if we lived that way? What if we lived with a mindset of, I'm seeking to use the gifts that God has given me for the good of others. And I'm not worried about what other people do to me or say to me or how other people perform for me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. The most easily offended people on the planet are people who are living all about them. God has never given us the idea that we're to live for ourselves. He's made it abundantly clear. Do all for the glory of God and do, good for the, and do a lot of good for the good of others. And I'm actually going to give you gifts to help you do that. I'm going to give you gifts, spiritual grace gifts, so that as you cross paths with each other, you leave someone else strengthened in their faith. Is there a, is there a, a wake behind you, right? A boat goes through the water and he leaves a wake behind him. Is there a wake of people behind you as you live, as you're, I don't know where I'm getting, coming up with this illustration that you're a boat and you're going through the lake of life. You're a boat and you're going through the lake of life and you're leaving a wake behind you. And in that wake behind you are just blessed people. People who are strengthened because of your interactions with them. They're not left licking their wounds or hurting or wondering how they stand with you. They, they are left strengthened. They're, they're left with their eyes looking toward Christ and with ways to, to, to be a blessing and a benefit to other people. Reading this comment from John Piper convicted me. Let me read it one more time. Are you becoming the kind of person who wakes up in the morning and thanks God for our great salvation and then says, Lord, oh, how I want to strengthen people's faith today. Grant that at the end of this day, somebody will be more confident of your promises and more joyful in your grace because I crossed his path. That is a life that's being lived for the glory of God and the good of others. Not that I'm the example. I, I don't wake up most days feeling that and thinking that. In fact, the last couple of days I woke up in a pretty foul mood and was pretty, pretty grumpy and didn't particularly care to interact with much of anybody. But God, God has, God has gifted you and gifted me, and he's gifted us in different ways, right? The, this, these spiritual gifts that come from God that are for the good of others, the, these are a lot, there are a lot of different kinds of gifts that God has given. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here in verses 8 through 10, we see a list of a bunch of different kinds of gifts. Spirit of utterance of wisdom and utterance of knowledge and uh, faith and healing and miracles and prophecy um, and distinguishing spirits and tongues and interpretation of tongues. And this is just one passage. Romans has a passage and Galatians has a passage and First Peter has a passage that lists out for us different kinds of spiritual gifts. Next Sunday morning, Lord willing, that's what we're going to talk about. The the conglomeration of all those different spiritual gifts and what do they mean and which ones are for us today and how do we utilize them and use them uh, here in, in, in our lives. But the, the point here this morning is this. God is the one who gives them. He gives a lot of different kinds of gifts so that we can serve and help each other well, that we can glorify God and do good for others. And then number five, spiritual gifts are given, look at the very end of verse 11, as 
God wills. I have lived a lot. This is a confession. This is not a brag. This is a confession. I have lived a lot of my Christian life wanting someone else's spiritual gifts. See, I'll see somebody else. I see the way God has gifted them. I see the way God has wired them. I see the platform that God has given them. And I just think, man, I, man, I wish I could do that. That's what I want to do. I wish I was made that way. I wish I had those gifts and those abilities. I wish I had that capacity. I wish I had the power to do those sorts of things. And when I think that way and do that way, do you know what I'm actually saying? God, you messed up. You didn't give me the gifts that I was supposed to have. No, no, I'm misunderstanding how good a gift giver God is when, when, I, when I think that way. God is the one who gives to each. Look in verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God's gifts are his gifts. He gives them. He gives them to whom he wants to have them. He gives them when he wants them to have them, and he gives it to them in the amount, he apportions to them, in the amount that he wants to give them. Have you ever seen someone who's really, really gifted? Do you know who gets the credit for that? God. God gets the credit for that. When you have a gift, that's a testimony to the gift giver. Right? I've used this illustration in here before. You come into my office right now, and I've got several really nice knives in my office, none of which I bought. They're all gifts. They were given to me. And that, that shines a light that shows how good the gift giver was to me. You see someone who's really, really gifted, and often we start to get fussy and disgruntled and, and, and upset that, well, they got, you know, they got five talents or he got two talents, and I'm stuck here with only one talent. Does that remind you of a story or two in the Bible? God, God is the one who gives the gifts. He gives them to whom he will. He gives them when he wants them to have them. He gives them in the amount that he wants them to have them. And listen, God's gifts are God's gifts to be used in God's ways at God's, at God's time. We'll look at this list of gifts even more next week, right? And we think, well, I've got the gift of healing, so that means I can just go out and heal people. Hold on a second. God is the one who apportions to each one as he wills. So, so the gifts that you receive and the use of those gifts are always going to be in keeping with God's will. These are not like gifts that are just ours on demand and ours on command. And I'll try to unpack that a little bit more um, next week. God is a good gift-giving God. So the main thing that I want us to see here this morning as we read through this whole passage and as we read about these grace gifts to us from God is this that God is a gracious gift giver. And in his wisdom, he, he rescues people from sin and gives them the gift of faith that saves them. And then beyond that, he determines for each and every single one of you what gift he wants to give you and the amount he wants to give it. And he wants you to use it for the common good. So this means you need to see everyone else in this room in a unique way. Here's how you need to view every, every single person in this room. If you're like me, I look at a room like this and I think there are some people in this room who can do some good for me. 
But that doesn't jive with what we just read. God's word tells us that every single Christian has been given a gift for the common good. You know what that means? Every single one of you who is a follower of Christ has a way to be of service to me. You have a gift that I need. That means I need you in my life. I need you speaking into my life. I need you ministering into my life. I need every single believer in this room and their gifts on operation in my life. You need to walk into church on Sunday with the mindset that I need everyone in this room. That's one of the ways you need to think when you walk into a a room like this on Sunday. And of course, as you interact with each other and other Christians throughout the week, we need to have this mindset as well. But when we're gathered here, there is a unique way. I mean, we're kind of all sitting in this room together here in this moment. You need to look around the room and realize everyone in, uh, um, I need the ministry of everyone in this room. What's the other side of that coin? What's the other way you need to be thinking? Everyone in this room needs me. That's not proud, and that's not arrogant. That's biblically informed. That's, that's coming to grips. That's coming to terms with the reality that God, in His graciousness, has gifted me in a unique way, and there are ways that I need to be ministering and serving that's going to be for the common good. Now, I don't think that this means that every single Sunday I have to interact with every single person in a way that is my spiritual gifting, right? That would get really laborious and cumbersome, and we'd be here a long time. I do think it means that you have an awareness that you're mindful of and you're thoughtful of. Let me read Piper's thing again. Lord, oh, how I want to strengthen people's faith today. Grant that at the end of this day, somebody will be more confident of your promises and more joyful in your grace because I crossed his path. You know what that mindset is doing? That mindset is glorifying God and doing good for others. Now, God has given some the gift of mercy and some the gift of leadership and some the gift of teaching and some the gift of tongues and some the gift of prophecies and some the gift of healings. We're going to talk about all of that more next week, about what the specifics, how you might be gifted. But the big overarching principle is this. God is a good gift giver, and he intends for you to use your gifts for the glory of God and for the good of others. Bow with me, if you will. And it was a shorter sermon than usual this morning. I doubt I'll get any complaints on that. I do want you to consider for a moment how you're using God's gifts. I actually think most believers know to a great degree how God has gifted them, how God has wired them, how God has blessed them, the grace gift that God has given them. Are you using it for the glory of God and for the good of others. I'm going to give you just a minute to think quietly there and to pray. If you need to confess sin, now's a good time to do that. If you need to ask God for help to 